0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 10, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: This is a military strategy tactic called the Pincer movement, P-I-N-Z-E-R. the pincer movement. Basically, you set up two separate groups of troops to converge on the enemy. That's exactly what Joab did. It's an old move, and it really is still used today. Joab was a great warrior, actually, and you know that. He was so good that David made him commander-in-chief of his army. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 8, remember, do you remember the face-off at Gibeon? around the pool. And Abner and his soldiers are on one side of the pool. Remember, remember that story? And Joab and his soldiers are on the other side of the pool and they're kind of mean mugging each other and they started sticking swords. It was kind of a game, but not. They started sticking each other with swords like through their necks. It was extremely graphic and many men died. Second Samuel eight sixteen tells us they called the place the field of sharp swords. Joab, as I said, is commander-in-chief. And Joab had done a lot of killing. Joab, you remember the story where he pulled Abner aside and he stabbed him under the fifth rib in Hebron, right into the heart. And the reason he did that was to get revenge on Abner for killing his brother Ashiel. You remember? Abner, this is an interesting story because Abner didn't want to kill Ashiel. Ashiel's name means Fleetfoot. Remember that? Fleetfoot. And Abner didn't want to kill him. So Ashiel could run really fast and he's chasing after Abner. Abner's running and turning around, looking, going, Ashiel, stop, man. Stop, Fleetfoot. Stop, dude. Stop. You don't want this. Stop. Stop. And he won't stop. So Abner didn't have a choice. He pulled a great military move. They're running so fast. Abner just stopped dead in his tracks, turned around with his sword, facing that way. And Fleetfoot is running really fast, and he ran right into the sword. And he was dead. So Joab is a very skilled military man, and he wants to get revenge for his brother. Joab is a man of blood. And David, you know, also is a man of blood. Look at verse 12. Joab said, I love this statement. That's why I had you underline it. Joab said, be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. I love that statement. You could also say it like this. If God is with us, then who can be against us? But it's nice to hear. I think what I like about the statement is that, like I said, Joab is a commander in chief and he's a military man. And he's a, Joab would kill you quicker than quick if he has to. But he's a nice guy. I mean, he's in his heart. I mean, you can hear. That. I I just think that's just a little glimpse into his heart, into into his heart. He's a he's a hardened man. Because of the military, and that's the life that he lives. That's just who he is. I mean, you, you can't change who people are. They just are who they are. And Joab was probably like a baby in diapers playing with a sword and a shield. I mean, he's just, you know, like most babies got like a rattle, he's got a sword. I mean, you know, he was just that kind of guy. It's just who he was. But you can see the softer side of him right there in verse 12 when he says, be of good cheer and let's be strong for our God and for the people and may the Lord do what is good. It's just nice to hear Joab say something spiritual and Joab said, let's just be men and let God do what God is going to do. At the same time, Joab being a man, a warrior, uh, he, he would attack Joab and his men in verse 13 came to the battle and, um, Came the battle of the Syrians and they ran like the dickens. Verse 14, when the people of Ammon saw the Syrians running, they turned around, they hauled tail and ran into the city. So here's what's happening. When the people of Ammon realized that they were fighting with Joab, they knew they were fighting seasoned soldiers. So they're immediately afraid because they knew David had defeated the Syrians in the past. And so they said, forget it. I'm out of here. And when the people of Ammon see the 33,000 soldiers they hired with a 1,000 talents, I told you First Chronicles tells us they hired them for, it cost them 1,000 talents each of silver. They see their silver and their soldiers headed for the hills. They take off running, and they headed back into the city. They shut the gate where they could kind of hold off. And then in verse 14, Joab said, nothing's going on here. He went back to Jerusalem. Verse 15. When the Syrians saw that they were defeated by Israel, they gathered again. They came back to fight again. They won't quit. Isn't that just like the enemy? They won't quit. Well, look at verse 17. When David heard about it, he gathered the rest of the army of Israel to crush the the Syrian army. Now, side note, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this in your margin. This is the second battle David personally led Israeli troops to victory. This is the second battle that David personally led Israeli troops to victory. It was a decisive victory. Notice David defeats his enemies, killing 700 of their charioteers and 40,000 horsemen in verse 18. Verse 19 tells us the chapter ends with unfinished business at Rabbah. The Ammonites become subject to Israel. The Ammonites were still in their city, and Joab returned to Jerusalem. Now, the next time we come together in chapter 11... It's going to be a different season of the year, that is. It's springtime in Chapter 11. And in that day and in that culture, it was very common for soldiers not to fight during the winter. This was like a common military NATO agreement or something. (laughs) Where... We all agree that during the winter and the snow, we're not going to fight. Everybody just takes off. And they don't fight. So there's no fighting going on. And that's why in chapter 11, when you come back the next time, it won't be next week because next week is communion. It will be the week after. You don't want to miss chapter 11. Listen to Pastor Rodney. You do not want to miss chapter 11. Okay. When we get to chapter 11, the first thing chapter 11 tells us, okay, sneak peek, sneak peek, sneak peek. Chapter 11, the first thing chapter 11, verse 1, tells us, it happened when, saints? In the springtime. So chapter 11, we jumped to a whole new season. So obviously there's a break between chapter 10 and chapter 11 because now it's springtime and we'll talk about what happens in the springtime and it ain't good. You know the story. David sent Joab. And the army out again to deal in Ramah here in chapter 10. But as his army is out fighting with Rabbah, David is relaxing chapter 11 comfortably in Jerusalem. And because of that, he fell into the sin with Bathsheba. We'll talk about that. Now, let me tell you just two things really quickly before I let you go tonight from this text that I see. Two things. Number one, this battle was never supposed to happen. This battle was never supposed to happen. The only reason they're fighting Is because of gossip. Yeah, I'm going to go there. The only reason they're fighting is because of gossip. Look at verse 3. The people said to Hanan, the king of the Ammonites, do you think that David sent people to comfort you or maybe he's spying on us? I don't know why church folk don't get hold of this. Yep, that's bad English. I don't know why church folk don't get hold of this. Gossip is bad. Gossip is bad and God hates it. Okay, get it. It's bad and God hates it. And gossip is just as much a sin as drinking, as uh lying, as stealing. As any other sin. It is amazing to me how preachers pound the pulpit about this, that, and other, like, well, you a bunch of sinners, you people, you sinners, you bunch of sinners, you people, you sinners. But then you and your wife go home and you're ha, <laughs> you feel with the head on. Ha <laughs> yeah. Did you hear this? Oh yeah, did I tell you that? You didn't know. Oh, let me tell you this. Gossip is just as much a sin as any other sin. Sin is sin to God. Can we get this? Sin is sin to God. We scale out sin because whatever offends us the most, and here comes our religiosity, okay? Whatever offends us the most, that's the worst sin. So if I'm offended by homosexuality, that is the worst thing, and you're going to hell. I said hell. You're going to Hell. If that's what offends you most or somebody's drinking, if if drinking is drunken, you're going to hell because that's the worst sin to me. And everybody has their scaling out of sin. God doesn't do that. And you need to be thankful God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. Sin is sin to God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Am I right about it, Mark? What's wrong with people? We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's just it. God loves unity. Somebody say amen. God loves unity. And God hates gossip. And God hates anything that would disrupt that unity. Proverbs 16, 17 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. That's a lack of unity among the brethren. If those men didn't whisper gossip in Hanan's ear, the thought concerning David's kind gesture wouldn't have ever taken been taken wrong. So this battle, back to my first point. What's supposed to happen? They're supposed to be fighting. Fight what are you fighting for? Over gossip. Over what somebody told you and then you reacted to something what somebody told you and a really, really offended someone who was doing something nice for you and cutting off their robes and shaving their beard. That's the, that, in that culture, that's the lowest. Now, in our culture, it's fashionable to be bald. In that culture, it wasn't. Beers were a sign of honor. So you've got all this going on for no reason. Because of gossip. And if you listen to gossip or you carry gossip, because you carry gossip, you are just as guilty as the one sharing the gossip. Gossip should end with you. Gossip should end with you. Okay. It should end with you. Proverbs. Why do you say that, pastor? Why do you say that? Because Proverbs says, in Proverbs twenty six twenty, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. Proverbs twenty six twenty, Where no wood is, the fire goes out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. When you listen to gossip and you entertain gossip, you're encouraging the gossiper to keep on gossiping and keep on sinning. And when you listen and carry gossip, that's disrupting the unity in the body of Christ. Because gossip is one of the least talked about sins in the church, and yet it is one of the most damaging sins in the church. Because once you put gossip out there, watch this, you'll love it. Once you put gossip out there, you can't get it back. You cannot get it back. That's why you need to zip it. And we have our ways. Church folks, something else. Something, I, I've been around for a minute, okay? Church folks, something else. Well, I just, I, if, you know, I'm to ask you to pray with me about something. If you just, <laughs> if you just, you know, if you just, I, I'm just going to, listen, just between me and you. I need you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me about something. And uh, just keep between us, but if you just keep this in prayer. Is it really? Really. Okay. That's our spiritual way to make ourselves feel good about gossip. That's just gossip. And you know, don't you? You know when somebody's about to gossip. They have the I'm about to gossip look on their face. I don't know. what the, I, don't know, I, I don't I can't really even like express it, like what it really looks like. Because if I could, I would. But they have a, I, I'm about the gossip. Look on their face when people are about the gossip. It's just something really odd about their face contortion or something. It's weird. It's just weird, weird, weird. I know it. It's weird. Because it's not of God and any Christian who has the spirit of God living within them can sense it before it ever comes out of your mouth. And that's when you have the opportunity to go, hold it, hold it, partner. Hold it, partner. Hold that. Don't tell me that. Have you told the person that you about to tell me what you're going to tell me? Have you told it to the person? Well, no, not yet. Well, <laughs> well the Lord hasn't led me to him yet. Well, what made you feel the Lord <laughs> led you to me? What made you feel the Lord led you to come tell me something that you have not told the other person? What made you feel that the Lord is telling you to disobey his word and come tell me before you come tell go tell the person you're supposed to tell? Matthew 18, go to the person. Don't go and you know what? Sometimes I need to go get counsel first. No, you don't. Do you have the spirit of God in you or not? If you do, then you can pray. You have the counselor living inside of you. You can pray and read God's word. And then, and God will tell you. Sometimes it's just don't say nothing. Sometimes it's get over you. Because the problem is you. And sometimes it's, yeah, we, can, can we talk? And don't tax them. Well, you know what? I'll just text them. I'll just give them a little text. Send a little text. <laughs> you won't even, like, FaceTime I can see if you FaceTime I'm I, Okay, fine. You FaceTime. Okay, fine. At least you put your face on it. But you won't even do that. I'm going to send a text and blow you up in a text. There's nothing more disrespectful than that. No, nothing and to me. Nothing more disrespectful. If you have something to say, say it to me. If you have something that you need to share, share it with me. If it's about me, if it's not about me, don't tell me. Go tell the person it's about. Don't come tell me and say, well, you're my pastor, so I need to share it with you. Nah, I don't. Nah, I don't. And don't get me wrong. I don't mind praying with you, but you can come to me and ask me to pray with you, and you don't have to tell me what to pray about. Because I have the spirit of God living in me, too. So I'm going to pray according to his will, and I don't need to know what everything is about. We got to stop these religious gymnastics. Religious gymnastics, that's what it is. Around the word of God, in the name of God. Stop it. It's not God. There ain't no way to cut it. It's not the Lord, Period. And we're all grown. That's why we have this church up here and that children's church down there because all the grown people come up to this church and all the little people go down to that church. So everybody in this room are the grown people. And the grown people act like grown people and talk to grown people. Grown people talk to grown people. And if you have something you need to share, go to them. There's a way to say everything. You don't have to be mean and nasty and a lot of times it's just a misunderstanding. A lot of times, I can tell you, probably 85% of the time, it is just a simple misunderstanding. That is all. Or I said something I shouldn't have said. Tell me so I can say I'm sorry. Forgive me. Tell me. So I can ask for forgiveness. And if you can't do that, then I don't know what to tell you. We, we got to stop all that. You can't take it back. Once you gossip, it's out there. I got to read you this. I'm going to let you out of here. Listen, this is, I love this. I like to read this every time I talk about gossip because I love this little story. Listen, it's this Yiddish folklore tale about people who gossip. One such man had told so many malicious untruths about the local rabbi that overcome by remorse, he begged the rabbi to forgive him. He said, Rabbi, tell me, how can I make amends? And the rabbi sighed take two pillows, go to the public square, and there cut the pillows open. wave them in the air and then come back. And the man quickly went home and got two pillows and a knife and he ran to the public square and he cut the pillows open and waved them in the air and then he ran back as quickly as he could to the rabbi's chambers. He said, Rabbi, I did just what you said. And the rabbi said, good. Now to realize how much harm is done by gossip, go back to the square. And the man said, and, and? And the man interrupted. The rabbi said, collect all the feathers. You can't. Once you wave them all in the air and the feathers, they're gone. You cannot. Once, it's, once you gossip, you hurt people. And once you hurt them, now when they see that person, now they're looking at that person that side eye. And you haven't even done anything to them. Somebody just told them. You see how that works? And we're all human. We're all human. Don't say, well, people can tell me stuff, and I won't look at people strange. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. We're human. That's how it happens. The best thing to do is go to that person and tell them, this battle was never, ever supposed to happen, period. The second thing I'm going to tell you, let you out of here. Did you notice what led to Israel's victory? A few things, a couple of two things. First of all, recognizing God as God and let God do what God does best. Look at Joab in verse 12, what he said. He said, and may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Also, unity led to their victory. Joab said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you help me. If the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then you come and help, then I'll come and help you. In other words, if we're going to win any spiritual battles, you can't do it alone. And that's why we got to stop being so judgmental in the church. We need each other, saints. God didn't create you to be an island or to walk this Christian walk by yourself. We need each other. We need, That's why we need Wednesday night church. I personally love Wednesday night church. I love Wednesday night church. In some ways, in some ways... In some ways, more than Sunday morning. In some ways, well, for one, Sunday is a super long day. I mean, it's a, it's like painfully long. Three services is painfully long. Anybody that's preached, no, Pastor Matt, am I right about it? It is painfully long. Third service, you're dragging up those three steps. Am I am I right about it? Dragging, like Lord, if you get me up those three steps. I'll be grateful for that. And then if I can grab hold of the pulpit, I'll be grateful for that. And God give me the energy and somehow never fails. God always, always, I get to the pulpit third service. I cannot believe how tired I am. Sometimes I forget what I said. Like first service, I go, did I say this already? Because I, you're talking and same, you know, and people go, no. I go, oh, well, then I'll tell you. And because sometimes, they go, did I say that already? They go, yeah. I go, well, then I'll tell you again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, God is always faithful. To always, always gives me just that little bit just to get through. <laughs> and he has been doing that for 20 years. God's been doing that for 20 years. Faithful. So, things have been going great for David. Under David's leadership, Israel went from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. He's been winning battles against his enemies left and right, as I mentioned. But there's one battle that David can't seem to get the victory over, and that is the battle within himself. And that's what we're going to talk about the next time. Not next week, but the week after that. We'll talk about the flesh. The flesh Mortify the deeds of the flesh The only problem It keeps coming back to life The flesh We'll talk about that next time Read ahead I think you'll find it interesting Read ahead
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light A radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary Located in Apex, North Carolina Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday At this same time